Hey everyone, this is Tom Salami. Welcome back to the Device Talks Weekly Podcast. We're going to do something a little different this week. We are introducing our first Device Talks Weekly Pitch Contest. Actually, it's the MedTech Color Pitch Contest, but we're hosting the finalists here on the podcast. This is something I haven't done before. I'm trying to bring you new types of audio. I hope you will enjoy this presentation. I, I recorded nine separate interviews with finalists. Uh, we did it in large group calls largely. I had a couple of individual interviews for folks who couldn't make it to the larger interviews. So the interviews are, uh, they're a little irregular in terms of format, but uh, I think everyone got the opportunity to tell their story and it was a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun to meet folks who have great ideas, uh, see great needs, uh, either their own great needs or the great needs of people in their lives and uh, act on it and create companies. So this is a great set of finalists for MedTech Colors Pitch Contest, which happens on March 8th. You are invited to uh, to attend. It's a virtual meeting, but you can go to medtechcolor.org. And we actually have Kwame Almer, the executive director of MedTech Color on the program today. He'll join us for the New Markers Newsmaker segment, and uh, he'll comment on some of the news of the week and tell us about MedTech Color's 2022 pitch competition. It's a, it's a great place to start. It's a great opportunity for young companies to uh, to get their start. MedTech Color has a lot of great partners. And again, Kwame Almer will get into that in this episode. So before we begin, I want to remind you that Device Talks Boston is happening May 10th and 11th. If you would like to attend, and why shouldn't you? Uh, it's going to be a great event. Go to devicetalks.com to register. We'll be updating the agenda in the next week or so. And uh, when you do register, uh, make sure you take advantage of our early bird rate. So uh, register soon. But also use this code, DTW25. That's for Device Talks Weekly 25. So DTW25, and you'll save 25% off the cost of registration. So uh, why not do it? Again, find four of your friends and uh, one of you is getting in for free. So uh, maybe they'll be buying dinner that night, but it'll be great to have you there at the Boston Convention Center on the Seaport. And uh, we are also now open for registration to Device Talks Minnesota. That is happening June 6th and 7th at the Hyatt Regency. You can register for that. You can use the same code DTW25 to save 25% off that registration as well. So it'd be great to see you at one or both of those meetings. Finally, before we begin the podcast, I want to let you know that Device Talks Tuesdays is happening this Tuesday. We have a great presentation by our partners at Millar. It's going to be uh, an interesting conversation about using MEMS technology in medical devices. So to register for that, it's free. Go to devicetalks.com. All right, that's it. Let's get this podcast started. All right, you ready for this? Ready. Chris Newmarker, how are you, sir? Doing well, man. Doing well. How you doing, Tom? Doing great. Doing great. Excited to have another another person in the booth today. We've got uh, Kwame Almer of MedTech Color and Almer Ventures here. Kwame, welcome. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Tom. Great to meet you, Chris. Good to meet you too, man. Hey, the more the merrier. <laughs> this is going to be fun. Yeah, no, this will be great. 
Well, we have you on here today because number one, we miss you. We haven't had you on for a couple of months. And I'm sure our, our listeners are happy to hear from you again. Uh, we had you on the podcast in December. We talked about your personal story and the story of MedTech Color on that show. So people can, can go back and find that. But today we're going to talk about uh, MedTech Color's pitch contest. And we're going to do our first, uh, I was trying to think if we should call it a pitch cast or something, our podcast, because it's our, our pitch podcast where we'll have uh, yes. your companies, your finalists for the, the MedTech Color pitch contest. Tell us a bit about the uh, about the program. How did it? Why did it come together? And uh, what are you hoping to accomplish? We um, had a core objective to increase the number of people of color who are entering and stay in the industry. And this pitch competition seemed like a perfect way to do it. We're investing in early stage companies that we hope will grow up to exit and uh, really create value for patients. So it started as just money, non-dilutive capital. And then through some conversations with corporate partners, we added a mini accelerator and we're in our second year. So we, we went from 75 candidates down to this top 10. And we're just so excited about the solutions that they have. And uh, the competition is coming up March 8th. That's fantastic. And they're from digital health to traditional medical devices. We have, I think, one or two diagnostics in the mix. And uh, they're from all over the country. So they're not just on the coast. And they're solving problems like postpartum depression in, in Black women to diagnoses in the diabetes space. It's a really eclectic mix. That's awesome. Yeah, no, you, you've, you've got a, 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 a great combination of companies that got to hear the pitches. Danielle Kirsch and I, a senior editor here, uh, did the interviews. And this is the second year of your program. We had Christina Jones on the podcast, I think about a year ago. She's the CEO of Guardian Lane. So she won your first contest, right? Yes, and then later in the year, we had Sandra Saldana. She's the CEO of Alva Health. So you're uh, you're picking some some real winners here. Yeah. And she was. I'm sorry. What what happened with Alva Health? You can fill the, You can fill out the rest of that story. <laughs> oh yeah. She's received uh, NIH funding, and she won the top prize at MedTech Innovator. MedTech Innovator is a great partner. They actually fast track all of our top ten, so they get a spot to compete uh, at MedTech Innovator. And, and Sandra won last year, which was well this year, which is great. That's great. Yeah. No, Paul, Paul Grand is terrific. We'll have him at uh, Device Talks Boston. We, of course, had him on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. And I, I'm guessing once he hears this this new pitchcast idea, he'll be we'll be doing a MedTech Innovator pitchcast uh, in a couple of months. I'm- Love it. Oh, no, you're giving Paul ideas, Tom. What are you doing? <laughs> Paul doesn't need my help <laughs> in the idea department. That's for sure. All right, we'll, we'll hear a little more about the pitch contest a little later in the podcast. But uh, Chris Dumarker, you have a, a list of us. Excuse me, you have a list for us of the new ma- newsmakers of the week. Uh, That's right, the new markers, newsmakers of the week. So number number five on the list, uh, we've got, you know, we have uh, analysts uh, projecting that ResMed is, is going to pick up about, you know, 300 to uh, $350 million in their uh, present fiscal year off a of business they're gaining uh, as, you know, Phillips continues to grapple with their serious respiratory devices recall but um it uh but after that you know the uh the analysts at uh, anita are saying that phillips is uh is going to be getting back in the market and so uh you know that uh you know that that really like this this present fiscal year is going to be the the peak of what they, they gain out of this. You know, and kind of like one of the big stories here is that they probably could have gained a lot more, except that you know Resma's just been hitting a lot of uh, you know supply chain 
problems. It's probably one of the biggest examples of how, you know, supply supply chain uh, challenges are affecting, you know, a company because, you know, they had a major competitor with a serious recall, a huge recall. And, uh, you know, they, they were able to, you know, gain some market share, but, you know, they just, you know, the supply chain just wasn't nimble enough to, to allow them to do more. Kwame, you used to work at the FDA. Did you work with any uh, handle any recalls that ever fall into your uh, under your purview? Yeah, they're probably the most the class one recalls are the most intense things we can do. We the FDA, there's an interdisciplinary team that meets internally and looks at the risks. And there are a range of tools from letters that can be sent, pub, sent public health notices, but major major event when a recall of this nature is going on at the FDA. I believe it. I believe it. Any yeah. insights on on this one or just any ideas, any, can you give us any context of uh, how big maybe the Phillips recall has been to maybe some of the others you've been involved with in the past or. Yeah. I'm, I'm not as in touch with this particular recall, but I would say organizations of this size really have to focus on execution of the new SOPs, making sure that the staff is properly trained globally. I mean, these, these things have a lot of ripple effects that, I think the average citizen doesn't think about, probably doesn't care about, but there's a lot of background activity to really remediate this, the whole problem properly. Um, and on success, I am sure Phillips has really ramped up. I've, I had to go through a recall at, at a, in a corporate role I had, and you just, you scale immensely to just, you know, go at it. And it's, it's months and months of remediation. Yeah, I mean, this is like, I mean, this particular recall is like millions of, of devices and, and, you know, and just, you know, a sound abatement foam that was degrading, getting into the airways. It's just, yeah, it's it's just, uh, it definitely seems as far as like, I mean, you, you've got these serious, you know, I mean, these class one recalls as the definition of them, they're, they're serious recalls, but um, this, uh, this one definitely seems to be, it's definitely going to be on the list of like one of the truly major ones we've seen, you know, over the past 10 years, unfortunately. I think this will be our only recall story of uh, this week's New Markers Newsmaker. So that's good news. We've had a couple of those uh, the last couple episodes. So Chris, what's number number yeah, four so, on the New Markers Newsmaker? Don't, I don't want to be a total downer here. So. <laughs> hey, we don't, we don't make the news. We just write about it. Right, Chris? That's right. No, exactly. No. I can't like, uh, you know, number four on the list, we've got a Boston Scientific uh, completing their uh, $1.75 billion dollar acquisition of uh bayless uh medical uh but uh, any any insights you two have about this deal uh i can tell you that uh ceo mike mahoney will be a keynote speaker at device talks boston on may 10th and 11th well, there we go we can find out more about it there exactly. be good. awesome i think this is probably public but as i understand it bayless medical took on none or very little dilutive capital over the year so the founders wow. should be very happy yes they should be yes and we're happy for them so good news for for bayless and for boston boston continues to build through acquisition and uh, it certainly seems like it's a a perfect fit for for boston's business they're saying this was going to be a you know expansion of their uh, electrophysiology and structural heart product portfolios so very cool excellent all right. Well, we will uh, take a break from the new markets newsmakers we're going to listen to the first uh, group of finalists for uh, for the MedTech Color Pitch Contest. Kwame, you said earlier, like, how many submissions did you have? And you're, you wound it down to, we have 10, we have, you have 10 finalists in the program, right? Yes, we went from 75 down to 10. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. 
And what is the, uh, that's a competition. That is. Yeah. And <laughs> how, how did you, uh, pick those, those 10 did, were there any presentations up until this point or was oh. it more you going through the submissions? We went through the submissions. Each, uh, applicant got scored by at least three reviewers. And these reviewers mm-hmm. are experts with 10, 15, 20 plus years of experience from our court for partners. So they were getting reviewed by representatives from Johnson and Johnson, early stage CEOs, uh, ResMed was a reviewer. Uh, we had some VCs that took a look at some of the applications. So it was a really cross-functional review uh, and it was quantitative. We ranked them on a scale, um, looking at things like the, the strength of the team, the product, the typical measures. And uh, that's how we got down to the t- top 10. And it was a mix of men, women. It was diverse among a couple other uh, dimensions as well. Yeah. Excellent. All right. Well, we'll roll into the, the first batch of finalists and then we'll get back to New Markets Newsmakers. And then later on, I'd love to learn what the pitch contest, what will happen next month when you're actually pick the winner of MedTech Colors' second pitch contest. All right, folks, like I said up at the top, I tried to be as uniform as possible with these recordings, but they'll have different sounds to them. In some cases, uh, I was part of the conversation. In some cases, I was not. In some cases, Danielle Kirsch, senior editor of Mass Device, participated in the interview. So, uh, But you will get the full story. Uh, we'll, we limited the pitches to about four minutes. So think of it as sort of a, a ride on an elevator. It might be a, a, a slow elevator in a very tall building, but imagine you're standing next to the person or say it's a cocktail party and you're learning about their company. So put yourself in that frame of mind and uh, you'll, you'll get everything you need to know about these companies and you'll get to know whether you want to know more. So we are going to uh, run through each of these companies. I spoke with nine of the 10 finalists. We'll run through them alphabetically. Uh, I'll introduce them uh, at the top like this, and then we'll get right into the MU, and then I'll bring on the next company, and so on, and so on, and so on. And we'll run uh, four in the first group, and we'll run five in the second group. So uh, once again, I hope you enjoy uh, these conversations. I really had a, a lot of fun talking with these company founders. So the first company we're rolling out is Allergan IQ. It's founded by Nana Miraku. And uh, I'll read the description provided by MedTech Color. Allergan IQ is the first comprehensive tech-enabled virtual allergy solution that radically addresses allergic conditions by focusing on seasonal allergies, asthma, eczema, and food allergies from a holistic perspective in order to democratize access improve healthcare outcomes, and improve overall quality of life. All right. Now let us hear from Nana Miraku of Allergan IQ. Well, Nana, tell us a bit about yourself. Thank you, Tom. I'd love to. My name is Nana Miraku, and I am an allergist immunologist in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. I have a strong passion for taking care of adults and kids with allergic conditions like asthma, allergies, eczema, and food allergies. And that really stems from the fact that I am a lifelong sufferer of allergies, and I have two children with life-threatening food allergies, asthma, eczema, um, and seasonal allergies. That's excellent. And how did you uh, come up with uh, Allergen IQ? Tell us a bit about the company. Sure. Allergen IQ is a patient-centered, tech-enabled virtual allergy clinic that is laser-focused on managing allergic conditions holistically 
with the end point of improving healthcare outcomes, improving the overall quality of life, and democratizing access to care. And this really came to a peak when my clinic closed for nine weeks during the COVID-19 pandemic. And patients were literally reaching out to me in order to continue their allergy care. They articulated themselves loud and clear that they did not want a fragmented solution. I was surprised that there really wasn't a national or nationwide infrastructure in place to manage all of these conditions during the time. And that's really how Allergen IQ was born. And and what is it that you're able to do to help folks with allergies? Are you coordinating care or collecting information? That's right. We are coordinating care and we have a platform which improves the efficiencies to prevention, diagnosis, treatment, and improving healthcare outcomes. And we're able to do that conveniently, affordably from the comfort of your own home. And when you're up and running or uh, who will be your customers? Will it be patients or will you work for uh, uh, hospital systems? Great, great question. We, our patients will be patients as well as self-funded employer plans. How close are you to a commercial rollout? That's great. So actually, it's a really exciting time for Allergen IQ. This year, we are um, in the process of getting contracts, and we have a couple of contracts that are in the works right now for some large institutions. All right. Well, thank you, Nana. Now we'll hear from BTEC LLC, founded by Wendy Sloan, Dr. Wendy Sloan. The company's description is this. BTEC's disruptive wound care technology prevents lower extremity amputations from chronic non-healing wounds. BTEC's patent-pending Alcyon Smart Patch, HSP, uses far infrared wavelengths beneath the surface of the skin to promote rapid tissue healing and strengthening. Once again, let us hear from Wendy Sloan of BTEC LLC. Wendy, please, uh, please tell us about yourself. Yeah, so my name is Wendy Sloan. I am from Cleveland, Ohio. I uh, have a PhD in public policy, but I started out my life in the sciences and was doing cancer research, nerve cell regeneration research as well, and uh, got hurt on my job. Someone told me, hey, go over and look at public administration. I said, oh no, it's a soft science. Who's going to go over there, right? Got over there and fell in love. So I got a master's degree as well as a PhD in public policy, public administration. Administration. Um, but now I'm pursuing a second PhD in analytical chemistry, right? Go figure. Like I <laughs> don't have enough to do. Um, I have uh, developed the uh, Halcyon Smart Patch and uh, formulated the company BTEC out of love for my mom, who was a diabetic. And I saw her lose her legs within a three year time frame to diabetic foot ulcers. And I began looking around and said, wow, this is crazy. And I said it was crazy because I realized we haven't changed how we treat chronic wounds in this country since the Civil War. Isn't that amazing? Wow. And then I realized that there was a gap in the healing process. And the gap for me was we close wounds at the surface, but we're really not looking at what's going underneath that surface. All of the stuff that needs to make the skin tight so that we don't get the opening of the wounds again, which is what happened to my mom that eventually led to her losing her legs. And so that's how I birthed um, BTEC. It was out of love from my parents. So how did you uh, develop the... Uh 
the technology. I started looking around. That's the geek part of my brain that said, let's let's research out here. What's out here and available? And I came across light therapies and light therapies have been around since the 50s and have been very successful. Um, they've been picking up traction worldwide. And I said, but here's a caveat to it. They're big, they're bulky. And if you're using real therapeutic grade light to heal the wounds, which works, uh, you're going to come into something that's going to be cost prohibitive. So the average person who's on Medicare, Medicaid can't afford it. You know, it's not something that's going to be covered. So I said, hey, there also has to be something out here that you can use this small patch form, like an icy hot patch. They can be placed anywhere on the body because most people who have a diabetic foot ulcer also have the challenge of being morbidly obese. Mm -hmm. So they need something that they can can put anywhere. And so I came across the light therapy and said, let me develop a nano-based biopolymer that can look like a patch, like an icy hot patch. It can be placed anywhere on the body that will give you the same effect that this laser therapy has and heal and close the wounds. But what we're really after is helping to strengthen that skin. And so that's the how I came across developing a Halcyon Smart Patch. It's amazing. And what sort of clinical testing has this gone through or does it need to go through? So we haven't done clinical testing yet. That's our next step. What we have done is some preliminary animal testing. So we were looking at first of all, hey, can we build this? Will it work? And so we were able to build it and we were able to successfully see that we were able to get wound closure. Our next iteration of the patch is what we want to look at in human studies for clinical trials. What do you see as the the long-term outcome for this company? Is this something that you want to, a product you want to build into a larger company or are you hoping to... uh, to find an acquirer for this technology sooner rather than later? Yeah, that's a good question. So um, sooner than later, we'd like to be able to be um, taken over by a large strategic, even mid-side strategic, so that uh, we don't have to try to build all of the infrastructure. They have all of that in place. And so we want to be able to come in as a family companion product to their current portfolios of products and be able to make um, traction in that area as, as that companion product. So we look at the Halcyon Smart Patch as something that you can use as a standalone for early stage wounds, like grades zero to grade one. But if you got a grade two to grade three, then we need you to continue to use what you're using and uh, let us be a companion. Let us be another tool that a provider can have in their arsenal to help patients avoid the possibility of an amputation. Next, we'll hear from Dialysis X LLC, founded by Ni Oyeni. Dialysis X's description is it's developing an easy-to-use, needle-free access device that reduces incidences and costs of needle-related complications for over 482,000 hemodialysis patients in the U.S. Let's hear now from Ni Oyeni of Dialysis X. So my name is Ni Oyeni, and I'm an engineer by training. But I was exposed to the world of dialysis um, during my graduate program at Boston University, where I got to shadow clinicians in various patient settings. And this experience had left a strong impression on me. And so I started investigating, researching, trying to understand the underlying cause of these complications, more so from a first principle. And, you know, after much investigation, much research, um, several stakeholder interviews, conversations, to able to validate the clinical need, validate the solution, but the market economics, of course, uh, narrowed that down to um, understanding and developing an IP strategy, some filings to go along with that, as well as partnering with strategic advisors. Uh, one of whom is Dr. Faber, who's currently the chief of vascular surgery at the Boston Medical Center. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about Dialysis X? 
Yeah, more than happy to. So our company is called Dialysis X, and we are literally addressing the sticking points of needle use during dialysis treatment. Now, needles are currently necessary to perform hemodialysis, but there are several issues along with that. One is the high rate of clinical complications that's attributed to needle use. And so 14 to 26% is the incidence rate of needle-related complications among hemodialysis patients. And this, in turn, feeds the high rate of hospitalization uh, among these patient groups. And there's also increased cost of care and revenue loss to providers of dialysis. And, I mean, there's a 5% annual loss on revenue um, for providers as a result of hospitalizations or missed patients' treatments. And so Dialysis X is stepping in to resolve this problem by developing a needle-free access solution for long-term hemodialysis treatments, one that's without the pain and all the safety risk of needles. And so we're reducing the incidence and the cost of needle-related complications by, in our estimate, at least 10%. We're obviously improving patients' quality of life. We're boosting um, providers' revenue annually by about $540 million in our estimates. And just as importantly, is expanding adoption of home dialysis, which is proven to be more clinically effective and cost efficient for the entire ecosystem. And presently, we're raising a $500,000 pre-seed round of funding to further help us de-risk technology, as well as ramp up towards clinical validation. Um, how did you come up with the idea for this? to to address the needle issue? Yeah, so I first got to observe dialysis uh, in my graduate program at Boston University. I was in the biomedical engineering program. And the other interesting program where you go in and you collect several hours of um, observing surgery, observing different um, sessions. And that was my first introduction to dialysis and just seeing the different complications and the different issues that patients had to deal with. That was pretty impressive. I ended up working with a group of so other engineers to develop a prototype imaging device. Uh, we were addressing needles as well, but, you know, just hung on to the fact that we're sort of addressing the surface problem and trying to narrow down to what's really at the root cause of the external manifestation complications that we're seeing. Next up for this part of the podcast is Candle Lit Therapy, founded by Lauren Elliott. Candlelit Therapy is building a point-of-care digital therapeutic platform that helps new and expectant Black, Indigenous, and people of color parents who are at risk of postpartum depression or anxiety to access culturally competent support. Now let's hear from founder Lauren Elliott. Now we have Lauren here to talk a little bit about Candlelit Therapy. Uh, Lauren, would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself first? Um, I'm Lauren Elliott, uh, founder and CEO of Candlelit Therapy, and uh, a bit about me. I'm a former journalist and a public health professional. I uh, tie both my personal and professional experience as a, a Black mom of one and a half, I'm currently expecting, um, and working as a public health professional in New York City, where I noticed a complete sort of gap in preventative care um, that wasn't being addressed as best as it could, and that was the mental health needs of uh, Black, Indigenous, and POC parents. That's an interesting uh, career change from journalism to what you're doing now. But do you want to tell us a little bit about what candlelit therapy does? Candlelit therapy uh, makes screening and treatment for postpartum depression and other mental health disorders like anxiety, PTSD, uh, mental health complications easier for populations, underserved populations in the U.S. and their healthcare providers to manage during pregnancy and after childbirth. 
my personal experience was at 38 weeks pregnant. Um, I learned my son was in distress and rather than being educated about the distress, I was essentially ignored um, and ended up having an emergency cesarean birth. Um, I didn't know at the time, but this was the beginning of what was postpartum depression. And the sad truth is that stories like mine are amplified across the U.S. among women and birthing parents of color. Uh, and the inequity has just only been exacerbated during the COVID-19 pandemic. Is that how you came up with the concept of candle lit therapy was from your own experience? Yes, absolutely. It was from my own experience, um, just suffering in silence, essentially, not really having an outlet, not knowing how to express what I was going through to my family and friends, not being educated on the symptoms and the signs. So that's exactly what we do at Candlelit Therapy. We really highlight what those symptoms can be to the patients and their providers to make that sort of uh, connection simple. So right now, uh, all OBGYNs and, and obstetric healthcare providers are mandated to screen for things like depression, um, mainly depression, but there are all their other mental health conditions like anxiety during the postpartum period. So what we're doing is making it easier to screen earlier and often in pregnancy. So starting as, as early as the first trimester, looking out for symptoms that specifically for communities of color manifest differently. So you may have a symptom that manifests more physically, like a headache for a mom who's suffering from depression, and she might not feel comfortable sharing with that provider who might be or might not be a person of color that she is feeling symptoms of depression. So it makes it easier to communicate those sorts of symptoms and feelings with providers uh, of any race for those patients and to easily connect them to mental health professionals and coaching during their pregnancy and even postpartum, especially. So the, uh, so candlelit therapy is an actual web-based mobile enabled web-based um, app platform and service that uh, works as a point of care, digital therapeutic. So Parents can learn about us during their prenatal visits where their providers can express um, the need or us as a resource and connect us to connect the patient to us directly. They can also learn about us on our website, uh, livecandlelit.com. We are currently uh, raising $1.5 million to scale our additional products, which include a CBT, so a digital cognitive behavioral therapy program, which is an eight-week program. We're looking to roll that out this spring. Currently, we are actually um, scheduled to go live with a hospital in Indiana. So right now we're working with, uh, looking at 175 patients, uh, women of color to work with in Indiana. And we also have a, a health insurer who we are potentially going to roll out with as well. All right, so those are the first four finalists for MedTech Colors pitch competition. I'll bring in the final five a little later in the podcast. Unfortunately, I was not able to connect with Nugen DX Inc., which is developing an assisted medical device for vaginitis infection disease diagnosis in women. But once again, you can watch all the pictures yourself. Go to medtechcolor.org to register. All right, Chris Newmarker, bring us into number three on the Newmarker's Newsmakers. Another acquisition? Yeah, no, this, is, this one is a, a nice little tuck-in acquisition here. We've got a DePuy-Synthes acquiring a Crossroads Extremity Systems. So, uh, you know, Crossroads is based in Tennessee, and they develop a range of procedure-specific, sterile-packed implants and implants 
implementation system, instrument, sorry, sterile pack implants and instrumentation systems that are cleared for uh, lower extremity indications. So, you know, we've, we've been seeing uh, a lot of these types of uh, deals across the industry. And uh, this, is, this is another good example of one, the one that, one that mass device readers are following. And we'll have uh, Dupuis Synthes uh, speaking. We're actually running one, of our pro- running one of our professional development programs at Device Talks Boston and Device Talks Minnesota, which is happening on June 6th and 7th in Minnesota. So uh, lots of good stuff coming our way. All right, Chris Newmarker, bring us into number two on the Newmarker's Newsmakers list. You know, number two on the list, um, you know, th- this is just like, uh, this is more Johnson Johnson news. Um, this is them uh, announcing that the, uh, you know, C- CEO of Honeywell will be uh, joining the support. And this just got a lot of attention on uh, on Mass Device. But I mean, this is a, you know, ex- you know, a veteran CEO of a, you know, major, uh, you know, like, like a manufacturing and, uh, and software company, you know, he's, uh, you know, you know, rose up through the ranks at Honeywell to become, take over the, you know, corner office in 2017. And, um, you know, just, just looks like a really uh, a big, big get for uh, JJ's board. All right. Well, that was an interesting number two. Yeah. But uh... yeah, sometimes it's surprising. It's like, you know, well, it's a board hire, but you know, Hey, I guess, you know, it's the CEO of Honeywell, you know, they're adding them to, you know, they're, they're Boards, so but we're, uh, people in the industry are interested in it. Absolutely. Lots of folks uh, at J&J as well. So uh, glad that got attention. All right. Well, let us uh, roll into the big number one on the new markers, newsmakers list, Chris. Well, number one on the list, um, just a really um, interesting, um, you know, story out of, uh, you know, like, like that came out of, you know, you know, Massimo's earnings report this week. They announced that they're uh, spending more than $1 billion to acquire Viper Holdings. They're the parent company of uh, Sound United. Um, Sound United, you know, they make, uh, you know, they make, they're behind a bunch of consumer tech brands that make high-end sound and home theater systems, you know, like Bowers and Wilkins, you know, Polka Audio, Morantz, you know, and, uh, you know, the markets didn't like it. Uh, you know, I, I mean, they just did not like it. I mean, the uh, Massimo stock lost a third of its value oh. this week after they uh, announced this uh, deal. It's, it's they're a little uh, it's a little better. You know, we're talking on Thursday now and it's a little better. But, you know, um, yeah, they, they still took a, a big hit off this. And I just, you know, reading the analyst reports, it seemed like the analysts were, you know, there's there's some some head scratching uh, going on over it, even even as some analysts were commending them for, you know, making, a, you know, trying to make a you know, kind of like a, a bold move here, but, you know, it was interesting, you know, uh, you know, our, uh, our, you know, the, uh, you know, our, our uh, device talks uh, founder, Brian Johnson was commenting on, on LinkedIn about this, just saying like, Hey, you know, I think they're missing something. I mean, if you think about it, headphones, I mean, we wear a lot of headphones. I'm wearing a headphone right now as we're, you know, recording this podcast, you know, there could, you know, there could be a lot of opportunities here to, uh, you know, measure, you know, metrics, you know, through headphones. And, and you also see like, you know, the fact they are, you know, hooking up sophisticated sound systems in people's homes. So, you know, they, they should help, you know, boost Massimo's game with uh, home connectivity, one would think. Uh, but uh, what do you think, Kwame? I mean, are, are the investors just missing stuff here? I, I think, uh, you know, the, Synergy sometimes have to be exceedingly obvious in our space. And if they're a little nuanced, we miss it at first. And I wouldn't be surprised if their stock rebounds after people get the the integration and how they could potentially tap into new markets. So let's wait and see. 
Yeah, and they were saying uh, that the Massimo officials were saying they were going to elaborate on this uh, more later later in the year, like how they were going to make these strategically fit together. So, I mean, so just because it's like, wait, like high-end speakers, like, you know, diagnostics and medical senses, well, what are they doing here? Like, we should, you know, like give them a chance to, you know, explain like, uh, you know, what you know what they're doing here could be could be something really exciting or some outside the box thinking that could be um it could be cool for our space you never know i made fun of the ipad when it came out and uh you know we know how that worked out so i got mine right here it works pretty well but uh i thought it was ridiculous when it came out so we don't always know you're right kwame and chris and and chris you wrote on the in the article it says that uh besides augmenting massimo's telehealth and telemedicine strategy that includes an upcoming Massimo watch W one. Yeah. yeah this is going to get more of its wearables on the shelves of major retailers. So this definitely does sound like a, well, there you go. I mean, you, you go to Best Buy, they're selling like, you know, really cool speakers, you know, that this company makes a lot of them or, you know, at least the, there you go. They're already in Best Buy. They can get them into the, I mean, we've, you know, talked about how Best Buy and other Best Buy, especially has been making a big, um, you know, digital health play with those types of devices, but you know, there's other retailers too. I mean, this, you know, Massimo was saying, Hey, this would get us into those, those types of retailers, you know, you know, acquiring a company that's got strong relationships with them. So. All right. Interesting. Interesting. Number one. Fantastic. All right. Well, let us uh, roll into our second batch of uh, MedTech color finalist pitches. Kwame, what is the next step? How will you pick a, a winner? Uh, will people present in person? Dare I say, do we do in-person events yet? Or is this going to be, how, how does the pitching happen? We just made the decision to go virtual. Uh, knock on wood, next year we'll be in person, uh, uh, probably hybrid in Los Angeles. But the way it's going to work, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be a produced event. It's going to have a lot of the Hollywood bells and whistles. And we are not only going to pick the top winners, we've been able to increase the award the top winner will get. They'll get 50000 this year. We also have uh, likely uh, a People's Choice Award. And we will also announce are special prizes from Johnson & Johnson, who will identify someone for a JLab spot, to ResMed, who will do another corporate accelerator uh, award. We talked about MedTech Innovator, but I just want to list some other special prizes. We partnered with Harvard. Harvard is going to actually pick three winners to go into their own accelerator. And California Life Science is going to pick a California-based startup to go through their accelerator. Um, so uh, it's exciting Awesome. Not only the cash, but the access to some top tier uh, benefits outside of the cash. And you mentioned J&J and ResMed, two of our newsmakers this week. So uh, I forgot yeah. that uh, ResMed is a big supporter of the program as well. But that's uh, that's fantastic. So is this, trying to remember, do you do you make this available to the public? Can, can people log in somehow and watch? Absolutely. It's free. And actually, we would love members, listeners to, to register. It's an hour and a half. Uh, it's in the middle of the day, Pacific Standard Time. Uh, if memory serves me correctly, 11.30 a.m. to 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And uh, it's going to be a great presentation. There'll be a brief pitch from each company, Q&A, and then we'll actually have a couple um, highlight interviews with a couple of our partners as well. So lot to see. Excellent. All right. We'll put the uh, the link to that uh, registration page in the uh, podcast show notes so folks can uh, can sign up and, and sit in. That'd be great. All right. Let's hear from this uh, the, the next group of finalists for MedTech Colors Pitch Contest. 
All right, we are back. We'll hear from the final five finalists of MedTech Colors Pitch Competition. First up is Diatech Diabetes. Founded by John Wilcox and Luis Blanco, Diatech Diabetes is a medical device company building technology that improves the safety and automation of insulin dosing for people with diabetes. Its first product, SmartFusion, is a software platform that helps people with diabetes and healthcare providers monitor insulin infusions and improve blood glucose management. Well, Luis Blanco, please uh, please tell us about yourself. Hey, Tom. Um, so my name is Luis. Um, a little bit about myself. I'm actually a Cuban immigrant. Came to the U.S. back in 2000. And I'm actually the first in my family to graduate from a university here in the United States, which is a huge honor and honestly a privilege. I, you know, I have a background in chemical and biomedical engineering. I actually got my Bachelor of Science from Florida State University, where I met my co-founders, John, JC, and Nick. We were actually part of the same research lab. And where the reason we got started is I have a background in computational fluid dynamics, uh, you know, as part of the engineering training. But growing up, I had seen my grandma and my stepdad deal with diabetes every day. So I grew up seeing my stepdad having to inject himself for every meal. And I met John and he is a type one and wears a pump. And, you know, I was, I was moved by sort of the presentation that he gave about how amazing this technology is and how it's really helped him in his therapy, but how it still uh, fails every once in a while. And when it fails, it's so hard because there's so many things that come into uh, having a good therapy outcome with diabetes that when it fails and you don't know about it, it's, you sort of become a detective. You're like, was it something I ate? Is it how I feel? Did I get enough sleep? Is it the coffee? And you kind of go through this whole loop and then you realize, oh, it's that my site no longer works. And once you're there, you're, you're feeling really crummy because your blood sugar is really high and you kind of have to deal with the aftermath of all that. So his story moved me and, and sort of it became a passion to, uh, to work on this. And your product is, uh, is Smart Fusion. Can you, can you tell us a bit about it? Yeah, so our product is, is called Smart Fusion. So we initially started as more of a hardware product to as an add-on as an add-on to insulin pump technology. But what we realized is that people want less devices with them, right? Everything now in the, dig- in the world is digital or comes to, you know, with your phone. So we shifted over to more of a software-based approach. So we are now a data and algorithm development company. So Smart Fusion in at its core is an algorithm that looks at existing data from the insulin pump. So infusion, blood glucose, and through our algorithms can detect if your site is no longer viable. What that means is if you're saying, hey, I want to do 10 units, are you getting those 10 units? So the reason this is uh, novel and really important is that uh, for to have proper diabetes control, you need very tight windows. So if you're getting 50% of your medication, um, you need to know this so that you can make the decision, do I need to change my site or not? The, we see Smart Fusion as sort of a bridge towards the, the final goal, which is uh, closed loop automation. What that means is that the, the user can relinquish control to the pump and the pump can look at all the values, look at all the, how the, the person is doing and make all the decision for them, leading them to live basically a normal, healthy life without the need to constantly be worrying about their, their numbers. And just a quick clarification, you say their, their site, what do you, I guess I'm not familiar with that term. So users who are insulin dependent can use an insulin pump. An insulin pump is a little device uh, about the size of your phone, usually smaller that has medical tubing. Uh, so the medical tubing goes to uh, a place on your body, usually the abdomen or, or around a sort of an area of high fat. Uh, and that's your site. So it's sort of like a port where the medication comes in. Um, for various reasons, your site can become damaged or blocked or, or it can leak. And yeah, that's what we do. We detect sort of site failures. I understand. Okay. So 
There are a number of obviously larger companies uh, working on, on space, looking to develop hopefully closed loop systems to setting up their own uh, systems. Do you intend to work with them or what is your long-term plan for, uh, for Diatech? Yeah, great question. So right now we are actually, um, we received a large grant from the National Institutes of Health last year, allowing us to do a lot of preclinical research uh, through 2022. Um, our research, to my knowledge, is, is pretty much at the cutting edge of the infusion failure detection. So our hope is to find a insulin clip manufacturer that was to partner with us to once and for all kind of put an end to this, am I having a failure, am I not kind of business. So through uh, commercial partnerships, we can um, do the necessary data collection, necessary testing to one day launch on one of their pumps and give the solution to, to the many, many patients that need it. Next, I'd like to bring up Emily Brown, founder of Free From Marketplace, Inc. Free From Marketplace is the first digital health platform to provide curated food selection, integrated educational support, as well as the ability to measure health outcomes. Well, Emily, tell me about, uh, about yourself. Yeah, so I, you know, I'm a mother, a wife, and most importantly, someone who's impacted by chronic disease. And, you know, I know how difficult it can be to manage chronic disease with very few resources. And so I, I, you know, have been on WIC, been on SNAP and realized how difficult it is to manage that and quickly realized that there's this huge opportunity to support individuals who have chronic illness and need access to specialty, specialty foods. And your company is free from marketplace. How did that uh, first tell us, I guess, about the company? What do you do? And, and later on, we'll learn how it all came together. Yeah, sure. Um, so we are a digital health platform that brings together all of the key components um, to help patients, members, individuals access the foods they need. So we have a curated closed marketplace uh, that curates healthy uh, for you foods. And then we're able to deliver those direct to door. And then we do telehealth nutrition coaching for positive behavior change, and then ultimately provide data to all stakeholders to see how uh, that having access to the right food is impacting their overall health outcomes. Interesting. So, so who are the people who, who would use your, your service? Yeah, so we, our customers are hospitals and payers. Mm -hmm. We're also, you know, so then we're serving their members and their patients. So individuals that, you know, uh, who may have a chronic illness where food plays a critical role. So is this managing food to uh, prevent against an allergic reaction or is it uh, more a weight loss or nutrients? Is it all of the above? Yeah. So we definitely are serving a significant portion of patients who have a food allergy or some type of special dietary requirement. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we help them get the foods they need. That's part of their standard of care so that they don't have any adverse events, whether that is an allergic reaction or, you know, escalating utilization of care. And where is the food coming from? Are you partnered with uh, grocery stores or suppliers? Um, so right now we work with one of the largest distributors of natural food products in the country. Mm -hmm. um, so we, you know, but we ultimately are supply chain agnostic, but what's really great about our approach is we're able to deliver that direct to door, um, which is really important because, you know, we have individuals in urban centers, but many Americans live in rural communities. And right now 
Over 60% of our users live in a rural community. So it's really important for us to be able to, to get that food to them. And how are you able to uh, coordinate delivery and things like that to, to those people out in rural areas? So we work with our partner, um, UNFI, which is one of the largest distributors. And so they're able to do that pull pack and ship directly to door through UPS. So we're, oh. yeah, we are, um, an, you know, asset, asset light company. You know, we're not a food company <laughs> or either in the logistics business. We are just in the business of helping people get access to the food and the, all the resources they need to manage their care. And finally, who is ultimately paying for the food that's delivered? Is it the, the, the person who will eat the food or is it the, the, the provider or is this insurance covered by insurance? Yeah. So we are working with hospitals. Um, some of them are you know, paying for this food for their patients where mm-hmm. they have capitated risk um, because we, you know, they know, and we all know that, you know, social determinants of health impact health outcomes and access to food is one of those critical um, needs. So they're all screening for it. They have budget. And so, you know, we're, we're working closely with them and obviously with payers as well. And our system works where, you know, there's a credit that that end user or that patient might access on the platform, but then they're able to purchase beyond their credit so that they can, you know, if there's more products that they want beyond that initial credit, they can, they can do that. And many of our users are doing that. Next, I'd like to bring up Sealcath LLC, founded by Cephas Simmons Sr. The description is the Cephas catheter is a double balloon colorectal catheter for use with several radiology procedures. The purpose of the catheter is to create a seal that will aid in improving the diagnostic yield and decreasing the procedure time. This will in turn provide better healthcare and increase hospital revenues by increasing the availability for performing more procedures per day. Now let us hear from the founder, Cephas Simmons Sr. Well, Cephas Simmons, welcome. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Hey, thanks. Nice to, ha- nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, again, my name is Cephas Simmons, and I'm the founder and CEO of SealCath. I'm married to my college sweetheart, Amelia, which uh, we have four kids. Um, I'm the uh, one out of seven in my family, which is a large family, but I'm the only male child. Um, I have over 30 years of experience in the field of radiology. Um, started my career as a Navy corpsman at the age of 18. I'm now a radiologist assistant with a PhD in global medicine and have been employed at MUSC, um, which is the Medical University of South Carolina from 1996 to 2021, where my focus and interest in, in the clinical application was in pediatric imaging, gastrointestinal imaging, ultrasound guided procedures, and radiation um, dose reduction. That's excellent. Now tell us a, a bit about SealCath. Well, SealCath was formed in 2013 to commercialize a catheter that I invented. Um, it's a double balloon colorectal catheter. And the story behind that is that one evening I was called in to do an emergency procedure on a five-year-old uh, that came into the emergency room with a stomach ache. Upon evaluating the kid, we found out that the kid had intersusception. Intersusception is a condition where the bowel telescopes upon themselves uh, and causes a, a bowel obstruction. And the way to relieve this is to uh, use a catheter and per rectum and to seal off the rectum and use air or fluid to push that bowel back into normal position. While doing this procedure, we were using a single balloon catheter and a single balloon catheter, um, after we got to a certain pressure, um, would leak around the catheter. So we never got that nice seal to where we could reduce that uh, efficiently. Um, This procedure usually takes about 20 minutes. In this case, it took us 40 minutes to do the procedure. So 
after the procedure, I had a little bit of frustration. I went back to my office trying to find out uh, if there was a better product on the market that we could use um, on any upcoming procedures. After several hours of research, I didn't find anything. So I started sketching drawings of uh, products that I thought would work um, and use that drawing and continue to, to do some research and came up with a product that would work, which is now named the Cephas catheter, uh, which is a double balloon colorectal catheter. And what happens is this catheter has two balloons. One balloon sits inside the rectum, the other one sits on the outside. And with both balloon inflated, it seals off the rectum to the point where nothing leaks out. Um, this allows us to put air in and keep the air that we're putting in inside to where it doesn't leak out and we can reduce the procedure uh, a lot faster and make it more efficient. Um, after the catheter came onto the market, uh, we tried it on one case and we, we were able to reduce the procedure in three minutes versus the 40 minutes we did before with the other product. So I'm excited that the product is on the market and it is doing well. Uh, we are now in the, in the expansion phase of uh, bringing in a cold, uh, silicon catheter. And that silicon catheter is actually uh, non-allergenic, so it'll give us a, a better market share uh, penetration uh, when it comes out this summer. Um, some of the other application for the uh, Cephas catheter is uh, rectal contrast CT, virtual colonoscopy, and soon to be mucus fistula refeeds. So what percentage of, of radiology procedures will you be able to use seal, uh, the Cephas catheter for? Is it just a percentage-wise ballpark, half, 25% more? Well, I, I would say 25% of the radiology procedure can use the Cephas catheter. Mm -hmm. Excellent. All right. Well, that's a great story. Thank you for sharing it. Next, I'd like to introduce Cindy Blaudo. She is a founder of Sunny, and Sunny has created the Sunny Cup and Applicator, a reusable menstrual cup that inserts like a tampon, eliminates the fuss of insertion with all the sustainable financial and health benefits of a cup. Sunny is a self-care brand delivering the best period care, honest education, in ending period poverty through their global give back program. Well, Cindy Bellardo, please uh, tell us about yourself. Hi, Tom. Thanks so much for having me. I'm appreciating this opportunity. My name is Cindy Bellardo, and I prefer she, her, a pronouns. I am the CEO and co-founder of Sunny. And personally, my background is in environmental studies pre-medicine from the University of Oklahoma. And I started learning about how to lower my ecological footprint, specifically through menstrual cups, as a eco-friendly alternative to tampons. So that's, that's kind of how we started as a team and eventually educating more about periods to people in India and across the globe which is how we led to, to our eventual founding of the company in 2019. And how did, how did the company come together and uh, where did you get your product? So after learning and surveying menstruators across the globe, we took those first time menstrual cup users experiences and saw what worked, saw what didn't work. And a major issue that people were having was the insertion process. It was a very intimidating hands-on experience that they just hadn't had before with tampons or even pads. And our idea for innovation here was to make that process easier. And for people who wanted to make the switch from tampons to menstrual cups a little bit smoother. So that's how we came up with the Sunny Cup and Applicator. 
And going forward, what does your uh, product approval process look like? I imagine you're, do you need any sort of uh, FDA approval or any kind of regulatory approval? Yes. So we are a medical grade two device, and we are currently going through that regulatory pathway and putting those systems in place. So what are the next steps for, uh, for Sunny? What are you hoping to accomplish? Yeah, so currently we are finished up with our product design. We're going into the regulatory pathway and establishing that. And then with our raise, we'll be able to start tooling, manufacturing. And our goal is by the end of this year to get to market. And do you, where do you anticipate uh, manufacturing? Yeah, we're looking at a few partners in Ohio as well as in Indiana for our manufacturing. Thank you, Cindy. Next up, we have Tab Diagnostic, founded by Troy Baring. Tab Diagnostic addresses shortcomings in the efficacy of current glycemic management strategies that require HPA1C laboratory testing and optional and incremental intermediate home testing for patient and physician data in between HPA1C measurement. Furthermore, this novel glycated albumin biosensor array could be integrated with regular A1C testing and deployed in any setting, reducing the burden on patients in the healthcare system and radically changing screening and preventative measures, averting and delaying diabetes and related competitions. Now let us hear from founder Troy Baring. Well, welcome, Troy Baring of Tab Diagnostics. Tell me a bit about, uh, about yourself. Sure, uh, it's great to be here. Uh, first, a little bit about my background. A few things you won't find on LinkedIn. Uh, obviously, you'll find that I'm, uh, uh, again, Troy Baring, the CEO and founder of Tab Diagnostic. Uh, but you won't find out that I've been married for a little more than 31 years. Wow. I have three young adult children, all college grads, so they're almost completely off the payroll. And I love to uh, mountain bike and golf. Um, I also spent five years in the military as an armor officer. Armor officer. Uh, three of those years I spent in, in Europe. And uh, my military experience and my upbringing uh, really taught me the importance of, of uh, teamwork and servant leadership. And uh, over the past 25 plus years, I've had some uh, great opportunities uh, to work with companies like uh, Johnson & Johnson, uh, Boston Scientific and Baxter, bringing uh, new technologies to market. And if I had to summarize kind of my career and what I've been able to do, uh, I would probably put it in three buckets. Uh, first, from a business standpoint, I've had a lot of experience uh, improving business results, you know, margins, lean, supply chain, and quality. Uh, second is uh, innovation, something I'm really excited about. I've had a chance to help launch more than 8 PMA products and more than uh, 25 10K products. Uh, so super excited about, th- uh, about that. Things like stents, drug eluting stents, intravascular ultrasound, atrial fibrillation uh, technologies. Uh, but the last one I'm probably the most excited about, and that's actually working with customers. Uh, as far as stakeholders. So patients, uh, doctors, I mean, really that's why I'm in the healthcare space is to be able to make an impact. And my goal is to take uh, my learnings and really bring this game-changing technology to help people address their type two diabetes and make uh, improvements so they can delay the onset of diabetes. Troy, tell us about uh, Tab Diagnostic. Thanks. Uh, Tab Diagnostic was uh, formed based on uh, my wife being a type two diabetic. Uh, She had been a diabetic for uh, almost seven years and she wasn't able to get her uh, medication under control. And so like most diabetics, they have that same problem. It takes anywhere from uh, six to seven years to get your A1C lower, even if you, you know, to get in the right medications and to make the lifestyle changes. 
And so I started to do more research and I saw that, you know, obviously diabetes is a huge problem in the US, 34 plus million people. Uh, it has a significant cost impact that most diabetics, uh, their cost is uh, more than two times uh, the cost for their medical bills than people that don't have diabetes. Uh, but the biggest thing that surprised me was uh, the challenge of escalating medication or their therapy. And over the last 20 years, there's been more drugs introduced to help a lower diabetes or improve diabetes, lower your A1C, but they're not prescribed. And the biggest barrier to that is the way that um, people uh, use A1C to measure uh, your, your progress for managing your diabetes. And so uh, today people use continuous glucose monitors or self-blood glucose monitors, and they're not very effective and they have gaps. And so our technology is a, a painless saliva-based technology that you can use at home. There's no point of care solution like ours. And you can actually use it to see that you're on track and you can make your adjustments for your medication and therapy in three to six months versus you know one to six years. And so we're super excited to bring that technology to market. Uh, the game-changing uh, component for us is this novel uh, nanobiosensor that allows you to do laboratory quality tests at home uh, that until today really hasn't been available. And so that's our goal is to get this uh, diagnostic to market and change the life for the millions of people that can't uh, see the benefits using continuous glucose monitors or self-glucose uh, monitors. That's great. And quick follow-up, what, what's the regulatory pathway? Uh, what, do you, what kind of approval do you need and how soon before you hope you get it? Uh, the regulatory pathway for us is relatively straightforward. There is an existing technology, but it's a blood-based, uh, and so you can only use it in a lab. And there's a significant clinical uh, data out there that says uh, you can use glycated albumin to basically be an intermediate marker in between A1C. And so our goal is to approve a bioequivalent. Bio and then once we approve bioequivalents, we would actually take it uh, to home use. It's great to hear from the finalists of MedTech Colors Pitch Contest. Once again, Kwame, what is the date of the pitch contest? And, and People can register where? March 8th, and you go to www.medtechcolor.org. So I, I got one extra question from Kwame before we run, which is, so, you Sorry. know, just today, so I, I'm just reading before we recorded this, that the, uh, you're in Los Angeles, so the that's right. Rams offensive coordinator is coming here to be head coach of the Vikings, and, you know, it's uh it's five degrees outside right now in, in Minneapolis. I mean, do you think, do you think that's going to change his mind? Like, <laughs> he, he may not last yeah, long in Minnesota. He may not Yeah, We'll see how it goes. He'll try and dial it in. He'll try and do telecoaching. Yeah. <laughs> work from home. That's right. Better get a good coat. <laughs> Uh, I'm trying to show Chris my uh, my 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 app my uh, my uh, iPhone on the screen, but it won't show. It's 60 degrees here, baby, oh, don't in Boston. Rub it in. Okay, what the heck? 60. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Keep the cold, Minnesota. Careful, Tom. You're you gonna get another nor'easter. You're gonna. <laughs> oh, I know. I made the mistake of driving with the top down on Saturday, and then we had snow and freezing weather for the next four days. So I won't, I won't tempt fate again. All right. Well, we have the website medtechcolor.org. Kwame, where else can folks find you on social media? Oh yeah, we're on Twitter. Uh, MedTechColor is our handle, and on LinkedIn, which we are very active on LinkedIn, so you can find us those two places. Chris Newmarker, once again, where are you out there in social media land? I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Newmarker, just like a Newmarker. 
Excellent. And I am on uh, Twitter at MedTechTom. I will post my, my Wordle results every single day so you can marvel at my my word guessing abilities. <laughs> and of course, I'm on LinkedIn as well. The guy's a Tom, wizard. S-A-L. E-M-I. <laughs> I like to when I when I get when it takes me six turns I do that on purpose just just for the drama I just want folks to know <laughs> today I don't nearly dropped the ball today anyway all right well that's a wrap folks uh, please do share this podcast on those social media channels please do what do we want them to do Chris get a like follow subscribe that's right like follow and or subscribe to this podcast so you'll get future episodes sent to you as well as our other podcast uh, if you. Subscribe to this panel. You get our Intuitive Talks podcast. And in a couple of weeks, our Striker Talks podcast. So uh, it's definitely worth subscribing. You'll get more podcasts than you can reasonably handle. But uh, I I trust that you folks will find a way to listen to them all. And uh, please do not forget to register for Device Talks Boston. That is uh, that is happening May 10th and 11th. And if you use the code DTW, Device Talks Weekly, DTW25, You'll save 25% off the early bird registration fee and the full fee as well. So it's 25% off. And we just opened our registration for Device Talks Minnesota today. And you can use the same code for a little bit of savings on that program as well. So fantastic, Kwame. Thank you for for joining us and for uh, telling us about the MedTech Color Pitch Contest. Thank you, Tom. All right, Chris Newmarker. Great being with with you again. And uh, folks. Folks, tune in next week. We'll have another great episode of the Device Talks Weekly Podcast waiting for you.